Hey, good evening, everybody. Happy New Year as well. Welcome to this new edition of True Philadelphian Sportscast. This is Wentzwagen after an unfortunate loss in the first wild card round of the playoff to the Seahawks and an unfortunate injury to Carson Wentz. We're here to talk about our Eagles. Andrew, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday? Very good. Good start to the new year. I'm back at work now. So uh, it's been a good start. So, okay. Uh, yeah, you definitely uh, said that better than some people would say once they start getting back to work. So. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's always a tough time to get back into things. But uh worked a few games already, so it's been fun. But how you doing? Good, good, good. But um, what I brought up to start, Carson Wentz's injury, which is obviously a freak injury, and we'll get on to the whole reactions on Twitter and people calling in saying... Um, I was talking to our friend Zach about this also on PlayStation the other day, calling in and talking about how he still has durability issues. Obviously, this injury has nothing to do with durability. Um, What do you think of uh, Wentz's injury in comparison to people's reaction and also Clowney's hit in comparison to not getting any repercussions from it during the game, at least? Um, well, first I'll start with, um, I don't get how you can question his durability. He played a full 16-game season this year, took a lot of different hits. I mean, we all know how banged up the team has been from the offensive line to wide receivers to running backs. So, I mean, he's been able to dance around different types of hits. He got hit hard all year. And, I mean, even to start that game, he got hit pretty hard. Got hit a couple times in the back and got back up and kept playing. And then he gets a fluke injury after getting speared to the head. So, I mean, if you're asking me, he's pretty adorable this year. I mean, again, second time in his career he played a full 16 games, which I think people forget he did his rookie season. So I think he doesn't get enough credit for staying in there. I think he's tougher than people will give him credit for. And then as far as Clowney goes, that's that's a dirty hit. I mean, he's already in his motion of diving forward. And if you remember, if you go back to the Atlanta Falcons game in week two, when he dove forward – they said he gave his momentum up, so they rolled him down before the end zone. So he's clearly giving himself up, whether he's sliding feet first or diving head first. And, uh, again, if Clowney just goes after, hits his back or something, I'm fine with it. It's a clean hit. It might be a little late, but it's not yeah. that bad. But you see him lower his shoulder, lower his head, and go full onto the back of the helmet. That's a, that's a spear to the head, and that's a dirty play. That's It's uncalled for, especially in this day and age when we're talking about safety and stuff. And... Um, Again, it for it should have been it should have been a 15-yard penalty, no question. Uh, I know some analysts said he should have been ejected because it is targeting, and I would. I mean, he's not going to get suspended for it because it's the playoffs. Should he? Probably. If it's regular season game, I think he would. Um, but I fully expect the fine. Yeah, I mean, I think at first full speed because I was also watching it. We went to um. A bar, a sports bar, Fran Zones, the pizza sports bar near us to watch the game. So, in full speed watching it on their TVs while talking to everybody, I thought that it could be because obviously when you're falling and you're making a tackle, momentum's going to carry you one which way. So, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, maybe his momentum carried him towards falling on top of somebody because that's happened a plethora of times in not just football but other sports as well, like hockey, um, 
But then when I re-looked at it, when I noticed that it looked like he changed the trajectory as he was falling or starting to make a dive, however you want to call it for Clowney, he changed his head trajectory so it looked like he kind of did go into his helmet, which then made it a dirty hit. If it also looked like his momentum was what carried him into it, which I initially thought, and then when I looked at it a lot more times, I deemed that that wasn't the case, then I would have thought it was not a bad play either. But since it looked like he altered his trajectory, that's what makes it bad too. Yeah, you said it perfect. I mean, if he, if he continues his motion, he's going to hit Wentz probably in the mid-back to lower area, which then again, it might be a little late. And yeah, the fans there won't like it, but in the end, it's just a late hit and you move on from it and it's not that dirty. But he changes his direction. He clearly goes after the head. Whether you want to call him a dirty player or not, that's fine. I mean, whatever you want to call him. But without question, that's a dirty hit. Yeah. Now, moving on from Wentz to talk about another guy that was injured before the game and then got injured during the game and played through it. Um, Miles Sanders, other than the one play towards the end where, quite honestly, even though that was behind him, he probably should have caught that one pass on fourth down, had a pretty solid game, 14 carries, 69 yards, a 4.9 average, playing through a bad knee. Um, I don't. I mean, obviously it's not good for him to have an injury in his first season, but it's nice to see that already early in his career, one, he's able to play well through an injury, and two, just to show how tough he is early on in his career, at least from that positive aspect. Yeah, he had a tremendous rookie uh, playoff debut. Um he carried it for four, about almost basically five yards of carry. Yeah, that's pretty um, good. I, yeah. I was a little disappointed with, I don't know if it's, again, the toughest part about that Wentz injury is it changes the timing of everything because you're so used to this one quarterback going in, doing all the reps. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you saw it with the way they used him in the passing game. I mean, we're so used to Sanders being more involved in the passing game, and he only gets eight receiving yards. So whether that was play calling, whether that was just McCown, um, not seeing him because of timing, whatever. I think that was an area I was a little disappointed in. Whether it's him, whether like I said, whether it's him, the plays or Josh, one or the other. I was expecting more than eight receiving yards, and obviously it came back to hurt. Um, and then there was that play where he unfortunately dropped it, where he should have caught it, would have been a first down, and who knows where he would have went from there. But uh, overall, yeah, it was a great day for him. Uh, a couple plays here and there, but I mean. Tough to play a perfect game, a game like that. Yeah. Another guy, uh, also just to point out, people that went out with a bang and had a very solid game in their final game, Dallas Goddard went seven receptions for 73 yards, which put him at a 10.4 average per that game. And not just in this game, but really to close out the season, he's really emerged what I think everybody expected as a much more potent force in the offense, especially moving forward to hopefully pair with Zach Ertz, since Zach Ertz kind of talked about hinting like he might not be back in post-game, but hopefully to pair with Ertz going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's been a tremendous player late in the season, especially with all the receivers going down. And again, I mean, you bring in a receiver next year or two, and you're going to have a dangerous two-tight end system. You're going to have a two-running back system, and then you bring in a receiver. This is going to be a dangerous offense. You just got to get the weapons in here in terms of the outside the tight end core. Um, yeah, you could have asked for a better game from him. Um, I mean, seven receptions on eight targets is pretty good. I don't think he dropped one. I think he was just over his head or something like that. Um, 
But honestly, out of two tight ends, I don't. Again, I don't. They they only targeted Ertz four times, which which is surprising. I again, you, you needed more out of that in that area. Um, but respect. I think is that part Ertz. of that might have been out of concern. Exactly. I was going to say, respect to Zach Ertz for playing. By no means. I mean, one of the biggest things with Philadelphia, for some reason, we never respected Zach Ertz to the degree we should. And uh, I don't think we take his skill level for granted. I don't think enough people take his skill level into fruition just because, yeah, he does catch the ball and he might fall to the ground a lot. But you know what? He's he's one of the best tight ends in the league. And not many players would have went out there and played that game yesterday or Sunday. No, hell no. No, a lot of people would not have. Another guy I obviously have to give major props to. In this game, he only had three receptions for 24 yards. But um, Greg Ward uh, came on and played great off the practice squad. He's a guy, in my opinion, as well as Boston Scott, uh, three receptions, 23 yards. Rushing, he had 25. Uh, Those guys just came in and played very well off the practice squad. And guys, in my opinion... I don't know if you would agree with this, but guys, you have to keep moving forward. Scott's almost a poor man's Darren Sproles. And Ward's a guy that can be an outside guy or a guy that's a yardage after catch playmaker that's a very good third wide receiver, if not even a development, too, with or how good our coaches are at developing players. He should have been called up sooner, honestly. Yeah, first to start with Greg Ward, I mean, without question, he, he won himself a spot on this team. I mean... I don't know unless unless he gets some weird off season injury. I mean, there's no reason why he should not be on this team next year. I mean, he's done enough to win over a spot. I mean, yeah, he's not going to come in and be your number one or two next year. I mean, no, nothing against him, but I hope he's not our one or two next year going into this season. Um, but again, he's got the speed. He's a kind of small guy. I'm fine with him taking. Uh, kick returns and punt returns back on special teams. I think that's going to be a good area for him as he continues to learn. But, yeah, no, I mean, like you said, he only, he only had three catches in this game, but what he did at the end of the year, he caught that winning touchdown against Washington. I mean, he stepped up big time. Um, you couldn't have asked for him to do anything more because, honestly, I don't remember him dropping too many passes, if any at all. I mean, pretty much anything thrown his way, it seemed like he found a way to grab. And then... As far as Boston Scott goes, the only thing... Yeah, what he honestly... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say on Water Quick, what he honestly reminds me of is a quicker version of Avant because he has a very good catch radius and has very um, good hands. But he's actually fast, where Jason Avant was not. That's... Yeah, I agree with that. Um, he's probably a little smaller, but besides that... Yeah, no, yeah. he's also smaller, he's, uh, but... spot on, yeah. That's a good comparison. Um, I, I always liked Jason Avant. Uh, a weird, he had a weird career here, too. But yeah, um, he would, yeah. But yeah, that, but like to real quick, Boston Scott. I mean, tremendous year. I mean, definitely won himself a spot on a NFL roster, whether it's here or somewhere else. Because the only issue with here is, I mean, obviously Sanders will be back. Um, questions on Howard. Um, you're gonna have to decide what you want to do with uh, Coy Clement. He'll be back as well. Um, so you, we just got so much depth at running back. I mean. You yeah. got to figure out which way you want to go with, and I think Sanders and Sanders is a lock, obviously. Um, I think Howard would be a guy I would bring back just because, as, as much as I love Sanders, I don't think he's the third and two or the goal line guy you give it to, and you're for sure going to get in. I think you saw that at times on Sunday actually, where he couldn't really push the pile forward all that much. Um, 
he's more of a dancing kind of guy and then bounces off different types of players. I think Howard can bring that pound-to-pound yard for you when you need it. And then I think between Corey Clement and Boston Scott, you almost – obviously you keep one of them. And then I would try to package one maybe to for move up in the, in the draft or something to bring in a receiver or even a corner because I think corner is one of our biggest needs. Yeah. In my opinion, I was going to say comparing Clement to Scott, Clement is good out of the backfield, but I feel like since I think the Eagles are trying to find a substitute for Sproles, we saw Clement be able to do some aspects of that as he's developed, especially in the Super Bowl and in the playoffs in 2017. But I think Scott more compares to, like I said before, he was a poor man, Darren Sproles, but towards the end of the season, he was starting to look like Darren Sproles. If that's the role you're trying to fill, I would say he's just the better guy to fill it with just from seeing what we saw this year. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, especially he got they got a year down in him now. I expect him to do stuff in the offseason and improve, but I agree. I would say he's more like Darren Sproles, which probably would lean Scott in that direction too, which which is a shame because I'm a bit I like Corey Clement. He did a lot for us in that Super Bowl. But again it's a business, so you have to do what you have to do to move on and get a better team. He's cause... a guy again though, I think he has a job. Because he showed, oh, yeah. yeah, like he showed what he can do. So, and that's why I like to see his package. One of them said, "Just let him go," um, just like some guy did uh, in the Phillies organization, uh, Matt Clintac with Hernandez and Franco. Um, but anyway, back to the Eagles. Um, the uh, uh, yeah, again, I think they're too good to just flat out release. Because you can again, you're not going to get Adele with them. I mean, you're not going to get Adele with them, but you can bring in a guy with hands that we don't have here right now, or even a corner, because, again, I mean, we'll get into the defense later. But this team does have a lot of areas of need going into this offseason, and rather than bringing back four running backs, I'd rather see uh, get another guy. Yeah. Well, they also have us in later rounds drafting running backs, and the one guy that I like that I've seen in a few mock drafts, this is kind of jumping – a little bit, but just because we are on the topic of running backs, I figured to bring it up now. Uh, Colleen Hill out of Mississippi State is a guy that I thought reading in a couple mocks and either getting him anywhere from the 5th, 6th, or 7th, dep- depending where he falls. Well, not the 7th, more the 5th or 6th. Um, he is more of a power back and a guy that really could develop into more of a guy that runs a little bit like how, but also kind of like blunt. So that's kind of an aspect some fans have been saying we've been missing too. So getting a guy like him in late rounds to possibly develop could also really help your running game since we, uh, could, he could be the pounder if you don't keep Jordan Howard. You have a guy that you can develop as just a pounding runner that's great within the 10-yard line. Yeah, I, I guess that, I mean, I don't know much. I haven't really studied the draft yet. We're a little ways oh, sorry, away, I but, think um, that might be Kyleen Hill, not Colleen, but yeah. <laughs> but I just don't see why you would draft in the sixth or seventh, though. Who cares? Like fifth, sixth, seventh. Like I'm fine. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But would you not rather take a chance on a more area of need? I guess. But I guess you're right. If it's that late, well, really I care. feel like though we do, in my opinion. Have missed like imagine if we still had a Legarrette Blunt type in some instances where we failed to score within like the five yard line, ten yard line this year. He's a guy 
that just sticks his head down and goes. Like, having another guy that could potentially develop. That's why I really liked him. Another guy that they mentioned in a different mock that I saw was the guy out of Central Michigan, Jonathan Ward, who's more of a uh, scrimmage yards yards guy compared to a power back. Um, But uh, he's a guy that would more replace... Clement and uh, <clears throat> be able to mix in very well with running and have a very cheap contract for whatever it is, three years or whatever your entry contract is in the NFL because he almost had 1,500 yards this year from scrimmage. So he's a guy that would fit into how the Eagles run their system. But but do you not think Howard I, – I, I think Howard proved he could be that guy that gives you those kind of yards in the goal line. And quite frankly, I, I, I think it depends theory. on money and what role he wants. I mean, he already says he's willing to come back. I think he knows he's not going to be a full-time starter. At least he should expect not to be after this year. Yeah. No, that's true. But, I mean, if they let him walk, then yeah, you're going to have to replace a, a big back because Sanders, Clement, and Scott are for sure not a big back that's going to bully somebody over. No, definitely not, no. But, I mean, yeah, I think that's why I brought up uh, Kyleen Hill uh, at the end of the draft because he's a guy that's supposed to be a guy that can bulldoze guys over and just runs with tenacity and um, spunk and just really not um, really puts his forehead to the throttle. So he's a guy that I thought would work in that aspect. That's the only reason... I brought. Some. I don't. I'll look into him more. I'll write him down. And look at his stuff. The only, I don't honestly don't know too much about him. Yeah, I don't. I'll I stop. mean, uh, yeah, I've I've read like mocks in the past couple of days, and he's just been one of the guys that a couple mocks have had in us late round. And for that aspect, I think he works. And then for the other aspect, if we want to just get another guy that's great at picking up yards, um. Jonathan Ward would fit in that aspect in the late rounds from Central Michigan. So it depends who we want. But, I mean, it really depends. But I think what to move on to now is you talked about Jordan Howard and really you you already said uh, how you think we should keep him and that was one of the things I was going to bring up. I would agree with you. I think he's a good guy to keep. Uh, for now because he's a guy that just fits in perfectly and then if you keep him I would say don't pick a back in the late rounds but if you don't keep him then yeah I would say try to get somebody that you could develop that has some potential uh, to do some things but as we speak about rounds I don't know if you had as we saw some of the struggles this year in certain positions a top three positions you would target in the draft than in what order. So, I don't, obviously, it's too early. We don't know what trades are going to happen or whatnot, and we all know he's going to be there. But I would say right now, I think our biggest needs this offseason would be, what, I, you said what order? Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd say wider. I see, it's tough because, you're going to have Jackson come back. You're going to have Jeffrey come back. And I don't believe, like, the Jerry Judy, the C.D. Lamb, I don't believe those guys are going to be there at our pick. So 
I know a lot of people will say wide receiver one, but because there's top guys going to be gone, I'd say wait for wide receiver to say the second round. And I'd say go after a corner, a cornerback in the first. And so I go cornerback, wide receiver, linebacker. Cornerback, wide receiver. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, they've had different receivers uh, going to us. CD's been mentioned. But they've had Chenault going to us. They've had different guys going to us uh, at our pick. I mean, it depends. But, yeah, I would say with where it falls, you might get a more high-value corner at our pick than a wide receiver. But if a good wide receiver falls, I would say grab them. But, yeah, I would kind of agree with what you said. I might just put wide receiver at one just because I'm always... What usually attracts me more to football as a sport is... If it's an exciting game offensively where it has to be like one of those electric defensive games for me to really be into it as a defensive, just a defensive game in football. So that's also a biased side of me. Like if there's a good receiver there that I think could be a dynamic playmaker, I would rather have that type of guy than somebody that is in the secondary that's more... Not as noticeable, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that makes sense. Um, but again, I think it's all going to depend on who's there at our pick. Because, I mean, yeah, for receiver falls, obviously go get him. But um, I know, there's honestly, even, again, depending on who's there, if some of those big receivers and corners are gone, I'd be okay with trading back to, say, 25-26. And I really like the linebacker out of Oklahoma, I think uh, Murray. Um. So I, I, it all just it all depends on where the draft goes. Because yeah. if the the receivers and cornerbacks are gone that we want, the linebacker out of Oklahoma for the Sooners is pretty good, and I take my chance on him and I like pick twenty five or twenty six. I think if we got him where we're at now, it'd be a little bit of a stretch. So that's why I trade back a little bit. Yeah. Someone Zach brought up that uh, I thought I didn't think of, but once you brought him up. Uh, I agree with him that would be a good guy, uh, Jefferson, out of LSU, because he's a second-round pick most likely, Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver. He's a good playmaker and a guy that, if you're not going to get the guy you want in the first round, is definitely a good complimentary pick, and for uh, our Flyer fans out there, is almost like getting Brink after you got uh, Cam York instead of getting Caulfield. It's like you you didn't get the receiver everybody wanted in the first round, but then you got one of the better, better second, third, fourth best op, like one of the next best options in the second round. So, and that's exactly why I'd be okay with going corner first, is because this wide receiver class is pretty deep. So, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, well, the corner class is not necessarily as deep going past like the second round. Exactly. So I'd rather get that. I mean, because honestly, when was the last time we picked? solidified, trustworthy from play one to the end of the game cornerback. And don't get me wrong, well, I like the Mill I like Jalen Mills, but I just don't think mm-hmm. he's that No, nah, he's a better guy to be a complimentary guy, not a one. Exactly. He's a guy yeah. you bring in a one it's kinda like baseball. When you bring a, a number one pitcher and you let the guy fall at his actual spot or a lever, you bring in a closer and he turn and your closer turns into a good setup man. Okay, Philly's got a closer so Naris can go back to the setup man. Um but 
again, you you get a good you get a solidified one cornerback. I trust Jalen Mills against a lot of two, three wide receivers. Yeah, well, a guy that I see on a lot of mocks if we get corners that they think will fall to us is C.J. Henderson out of Florida. So I don't know if that's a name that you like, a guy that you would like the Eagles to pick if he falls in the first round. Yeah, I take him. I like him. Um, I know there's a guy from Alabama I, I saw, I've seen before. Um, I think he'd be a good pick. But again, I don't, I don't know where people are going to fall because I don't, I think it's going to be a weird offseason. you got a lot of weird kind of rumors already happening with obviously the Brady and the Breezes of the world who are now free agents for the like first time. Yeah. And There's also just, Okuda from Ohio State, um, yep. the uh, corner. So. Last game is Sunday, oh, the last NFL. I don't know why. That's tor- that was a video in the background of a, of a thing in my thing. <laughs> you know, advertisement. And you got some mm-hmm. weird coaching hires already, so it's gonna be, a, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a fun one, and I think, I think the Eagles know what they have to do, and I think they know that they can't stay pat. And honestly, one last shout out. I think Howie Roseman actually deserves a little bit of more, more of a shout out than people gave him credit for. Everyone ripped on him for not doing anything at the deadline. Well, he he brought all those guys in for depth to get us into the playoffs, like the. And he found the boss and Scott of the world and the and the uh, Greg Ward. I mean, yeah, they might have waited a little bit too long to bring him in, but they turned into really pretty good players. That was some pretty good uh, low key depth find for him. That is true. That is true. Yeah, they they have been able to, and they've always been able to put people since the Peterson era on the practice squad that have been able to come in. And I was like LeBlanc is another guy that I believe when we first got him was on our practice squad for a period of time. Then we got him, and now we have him signed for a few years. He's a guy. He was banged up this year, but coming back, that'll be back next year. That really helped us a couple years ago and is a guy that should be able to step back in as a good role secondary player. So that's why you have to, like you said, draft that top priority secondary player. But... As we're uh, wrapping up our end-of-season Eagles podcast, I'm not sure if you had a few final points to talk about in the final five to ten minutes. Or... Yeah, um, I'll just touch on the game part of it a little bit. Um, I think give a little credit to McCown. I think, yeah, he could have played a little better, but I think for the most part he came in, stepped up, and tried to fill the role that, you know, obviously Foles did a few years ago. But um, unfortunately it fell short, but I think – in the end of the season, I think we found out what we had. I think Wentz pro- proved he can be a leader. Wentz proved he can elevate others' talents. Um, through everything they went through, I think Doug Peterson, I mean, I know a lot of people question play calls here and there, but I've been a big Doug Peterson fan. I think everything he went through and still got us this division, I think he solidified his ground. Um, but I think... A couple plays, obviously, that could have turned that game around. I think the big one was the um, Seahawks, I believe it was the first touchdown, where they just played stupid football. They didn't play fundamental, and they let mistakes kill them. Extended the Seahawks drive, and it led to the touchdown, which obviously was a different the difference in this game. The one where um, you have the missed tackle by uh, 
I forget it was, but Metcalf bounced off the guy yeah, off that catch. Yeah, I don't remember ran, who missed that. Ran for, 30, ran, for, ran for 30 yards on that third and 10. and then um, A guy that's haunted us since draft day. Right? Yeah, because we could have picked him. Yeah. And then the uh, Derek Barnett uh, roughing the passer, which gave him a first down on third and goal. So, Which was way less of a penalty, like everyone's been saying, than the Jadavian Clowney hit to Russell, or not to Russell Wilson, to Carson Wentz. Yeah, you can make the case he bounced off the lineman and kind of got pushed into him a little bit. And yeah. He was trying to catch the guy, catch Wilson before he fell. But, I mean, in the end, it was the right call. But it was just a shame because they didn't call the one before. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, a final point is to touch on, you brought up Josh McCown. He did a lot better than I actually thought because uh, watching it uh, while you're out, uh, you don't always pay as close attention to. Like, you see the guys doing well, but you don't always pay as close attention while you're watching it at a bar and out to what they are, completion percentage and uh, attempts per completions and all that type stuff. He actually went 18 for 24. So that for a guy that's coming in cold at the age of 40 in your first playoff game, that's a pretty good consolidated effort. What just happened was he hasn't played much and he got in the red zone and he just wasn't able to figure it out and we weren't able to call also the best play all the time in the red zone when we got in the red zone that game where we kind of ran out of position and then we kind of called some weird-ass passes. So um, he played pretty solid and I really appreciate what he said post-game too about how much he appreciated it and loves the team and... Quite honestly, he's a great backup and a great leader. So, yeah, I'm with him coming back as a coach as a final thought. But if not a coach, if he wants to stay as a player for one more year, I'm perfectly fine with him being our backup quarterback. He's just a great leader and a great guy to have in that room. But if not, yeah, sure, have him as a coach. I agree. Um, Finish to see if he would take a coaching spot. And I don't know if he decided on whether he wants to retire or not. But um, going off that real quick, I think, yeah, he, he played well. I think, obviously, being a 40-year-old, you kind of saw the, the slow steps. But I think that's a big thing is the red zone. And he just struggled inside the red zone. And that's why I really believe if Wentz doesn't go down, they win this game. Because that's like Wentz is one of his best areas. is he can find that open spot and fit, fit the uh, also, pass Also, it's a wonder that play where they were talking about, just as a final thought, when Wentz running on that play where Clowney caught McCown, when you saw they even ran on NFL Network, he had the open lane. McCown wasn't able to get out in front where he would have had an open plane to the end zone. Wentz might have been able to get out in front because he obviously has more acceleration than Josh McCown. And yeah, that's the other thing that I think was the biggest difference in this game was if Wentz, if Wentz plays, he doesn't get sacked six times. He would have he found a way out of some of those. I mean, he might have still got sacked three or four times, but some of those, like you just said, were kind of speed issues, and that's what happens. And, I mean, when you get that many injuries, your luck's going to run out sometime, and unfortunately for the Eagles, it just ran out on Sunday. Yeah. Well, if you don't have any more closing uh, thoughts, um, I'm pretty much said all I have to say is thank you to the Eagles for a good hard fart. Uh, very much so blue-collar season, having these practice squad guys come in like old school, getting guys off the street to uh, help your team represent and do well. Uh, it's like baseball back in the 30s. But uh, 
<laughs> thanks for uh, having a great season, Eagles. We appreciate you. Andrew, I don't know if you had any thoughts to say. No, thank you for listening to us throughout the season, and please let us know your thoughts and any suggestions you have to help us build this. And Thanks for listening, and please let us know your thoughts. Yeah, you can follow me to let us know your thoughts at JJBorick26 and Andrew. AJ underscore Santangelo. And the podcast account is at True underscore Philly Sport. This has been our first installment of True Philadelphia Sportscast in 2020, the new decade. Happy decade, everybody. Happy New Year. Peace out, everybody.